This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Oh, boy. Well, that was Pinocchio. Was that Pinocchio? That was me. Mickey that Mouse. was me attempting Mickey Mouse. <laughs> What? At least they're your Disney characters. Okay, Josh. okay. Yeah, Mickey Mouse is probably. Wait, I'm going to try Goofy. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I can't do Goofy. <laughs> you do that regularly every week. Ah, uh, but I'm... And I play with him. And I win with him. And I go with him. Can't do it. Play with the game. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. Now locked in to the Clock Dodgers podcast. Clock Dodgers podcast. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers podcast. I'm your host Neil. With me is the man who had his DeAndre Washington card revoked this week. What about him? You can't. No, it's permanent. I wrote nope. an article. Mm-mm, sir, no. Even your <laughs> no, license has Josh, to get renewed. Just tell him. All you have to do is write one article on something, and that player is yours forever. Especially that's, if you do it in your rookie year. Work. If you do it in their rookie year, I mean, that's like I did it. I did it before he even played an NFL snap. I mean, that's that dedication. I got in early on the DeAndre Washington, and I've waited, like, what, three years now? <laughs> and didn't you even piss and, off Jalen Rashard with it, too? Oh, God. oh yeah. yeah. That's right. That's that's the highlight of my fantasy career, was writing an article about DeAndre Washington and then having some tweet be attached to that article somehow that was negative to Jalen Rashard. And Jalen Richard seeing it and commenting on it—it's pretty. Hilarious. I don't even remember the specifics, but man, that was wild. It, it somehow, yeah, somehow it was slanted to a negative way for Richard. I guess you were picking Washington over him, and people were talking about it. I forget, but it did upset him, man. So, but that card is revoked at least for this season. I mean, the season's over. You're, you but can't it's revoke it; it is permanent. No. Nah. Mm-hmm. You had a perfect opportunity. If you were a true supporter, you would have started yeah. last week. Josh, uh, as someone who has also written material, when you write about a player, especially before they play an NFL snap, you own that player forever. It's like you drafted them in a dynasty league. <laughs> you keep saying that. It's not the case. All right. Anyway, also with us is this guy that you keep mentioning as a supporter of you here, Josh, to help him back you up for your DeAndre Washington pool. But uh, this is a guy who I last week gave a bunch of job titles to, Wikipedia editor, all these things. And now he really has none because Rashad Penny is finished. What's up, Josh? Oh, that, that's that, – all right, good night. Should good we night. still ask you about Rashad Penny on Twitter, man? No, I'd rather you didn't, okay. to be honest. Just checking. I mean, it, I want to make sure everyone's that. up to date, you know, not to check with you and anything on that. Um, it's not funny. Yeah, it's not funny. I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. Uh, but, but, do, you, do you know, like, I lost one of the best teams I have this season just because Rashad Penny got hurt. Like, how is that possible? It, I was in a, like an all play playoff, 
and I needed five points out of Rashad Penny, I think I would have been okay. Then he got hurt in the first quarter. And I'm I'm just I'm hurt. No, I'm not okay. You fell on your sword, man. I respect it. It's, it's terrible. I respect it. You listen, you live by the Rashad Penny, you die by the Rashad Penny. I, yeah, it feels Hey, hey, let's go fresh, man. Josh, at least you supported him and used him, unlike a DeAndre Washington guy over here. Uh, before I let us even get halfway into the start of this show, I must do two things. The first one is shout out to all the amazing folks who interact with us on a daily basis, from Twitter to GroupMe and everything in between. You guys are literally why we do this show. So big congrats to any of you guys who did reach the playoffs. I know some of you were hitting me up. I'm in the playoffs with some of you. It's a very stressful week for me. Uh, but hey, go win those championships. Thank you guys for interacting, sending us questions, showing love, all that good stuff. Um, second, slightly less important than the amazing listeners, is AJ motherfucking Brown. Five receptions, 153 yards, two touchdowns. Are you are you kidding me right now? Lock of the week from who? Me? So we're, we're not even going to like go through the show notes? Hell no. Hell no. I'm jumping. I'm jumping everything. First, we're going to sit on Rashad Penny. First, we're, we're going to pick a guy that Josh has touted all year, and I'm going to take him this week after he's already really broken out. But, like, I'm going to I'm gonna pick a week for him, and then he's going to go off, and I'm going to bump everything else to talk about the thing that I did. Go, Neil. You know what, Neil? I'm really proud of you, dude. Nobody <laughs> saw A.J. Brown coming. It was almost like you predicted DeAndre Washington or something. It was Listen, just, man. I literally impressive. had I literally had interactions with people on Twitter. We discussed starting A.J. Brown, lock of the week, all this kind of stuff. And he was like, oh, man, it looks like he's hurt. I'm putting him out of my lineup. And I didn't want to say nothing to him because I'm like, listen, I don't want to, like, you know, tell you to play this guy still because I'm, I'm still all in. But, you know, he was like, oh, damn, I should have I left A.J. Brown and I fucked up. Shout out to, I think it's Victor. Shout out to Victor for that. But yeah, man, AJ Brown tore it up, man. I give you guys locks of the week. Listen, I give you locks of the week when it fucking matters. The playoffs, the championships, all that good stuff. I've been waiting for this moment right here. I let you guys play with this week one through 13. But I, but I had to re- I had I had to take control where it mattered. I couldn't leave you. I couldn't leave the listeners in your hands at this point. You say the whole season, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was hoping the listeners were catching on. I would say a guy, they ball the next week. I say a guy, they play good the next week. I was hoping they were catching my pattern as I gave you guys the opportunity to shine. But at this point, <laughs> I had to grab the mantle, you know? I had to grab the wheel, you know, and take you control. You hustled us yeah. for 13 weeks. Yeah, man. I've never seen anything like it. True listeners know what was going on the whole time. I mean, honestly, really, the most impressive thing from last week has to be that all three of us all pick players that all were good for your fantasy team. That's right. Because yeah. I don't know if that has that happened yet. all year. See, I, I was going to kind of mention that. It's the first time that Neil has picked anyone who scored above five points, but I think it's the first time we've all given a pick that would have been a worthwhile fantasy starter. And for that, our loyal listeners, you are welcome. I was going to mention that like later in the show. It wasn't as important as the fact that AJ. AJ no, we had to bring that Brown. to the top. That was the most important thing. All right. We well, now that I've had my moment, it was a collective effort. Listen, I've had my moment. I feel like I need to put some big time music behind that. Like I don't know what needs to go behind that, but something needs to go behind that. You know, that, that was an important moment. But if nothing goes behind it, you guys felt the energy. Now we'll move on because these guys are trying to get credit for things they don't deserve. So we'll move on to news and headlines and stuff like this. First of all, lots of guys just got knocked out for the season. Some big names, 
I mean, I say for the season as if there's a lot of season left. There's not really, but you know, it's still important. We lost Alshon Jeffrey, Marvin Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Mike Evans, all wide receivers out for the season. That's pretty big. That's pretty huge. All th- all four of those guys are relevant, productive wide receivers. Do you guys want to start somewhere with one of these guys? Pick any of them? Pick all of them? How, how do we? What, what I mean, what happened just now? I mean, I think the one that's the most inter- interesting for fantasy is the the Tampa Bay situation. So you know, Mike Evans out of the picture. You've got maybe a little bit of hope for OJ Howard, and then maybe even something for Justin Watson coming up. Or Perriman. That that he also plays football. He does, <laughs> just like Justin Watson does. I know everyone has him as their little darling, but uh, you know, Perriman actually plays football. He does. I I hear it's true. Is but everyone here a Justin like, Watson fan? Calvin Calvin Ridley goes out, and I don't know. I don't really think Russell Gage is going to do a whole lot. Maybe I'm wrong there. No, it's not Russell Gage. It's Austin Hooper getting targets again. Like, I honestly think each of these really leaves a, a void that will be filled pretty pretty directly. I mean, I think we already saw it with Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, Zach Ertz stepped up and had his biggest game of the year. And with Marvin Jones going out, I think that just funnels more targets to Kenny Galladay. So I feel like, for, for me, it just really cements those guys, you know, Chris Godwin, Julio, Austin Hooper, Galladay, Ertz, you know, as just they're locked in starters. I don't think any of those guys you could even consider benching if you were even possibly considering benching any of them. I think you just have to feel really confident in all of them now just because of the consolidation of the targets. Listen, you guys can keep not saying Brashard Perriman if you want, but I'm going to keep saying it, okay? So Brashard Perriman, again, I'm going to say it again, is relevant. And cool. Another another guy who will score under five points this week, but let's sure let's just tout him in the playoffs. Bro, bro, he had seventy yards and a touchdown last week. What is what are you talking about? Oh, do those points carry over? I mean, they carry over when you're playing <laughs> Detroit. They're gonna carry over in Detroit, baby. We'll see. That would hmm. be interesting. So the most interesting name to you guys, replacement for those four guys. Is there one name that is bigger than all? I mean, it's got to be Godwin, right? It's just got to be. Yeah. Like he just he just becomes this gigantic smash play. I mean, just with the way they were on that offense. And, I mean, we've already seen it when Mike Evans has been on the field. And I don't think him being off the field is going to matter. Godwin's going to see, like, 12-plus targets. I think somebody else is coming along for the ride, too. You know, it may not be as fantasy relevant, as impactful as what Godwin might do. I think... I think somebody else is going to come along. You don't even want to say his name. Look at this guy. It's like, Perriman well, I think is coming. It's either OJ Howard or Justin Watson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, uh, are there, there are not other choices, are there? I mean, Cameron Brayton had a good week last week, right? <laughs> you guys are unbelievable. I'm just talking about a more relevant player than Josh is. All right? Shout Sorry. out to Brashad yeah, Perriman. Shout out to Brashad Perriman. I'll pick you up on waivers in every league this week, my man. I'm not letting nobody use them against me. And beat me with Brashad Perriman, all right? So And you're not gonna start him. Hey, don't <laughs> don't you tell me what I'm gonna do. Sure don't you tell me what I'm gonna do. I oh, called AJ Brown last week, all right? You're gonna hear that the entire episode. 
Um, also, speaking of Tampa, Jameis Winston's hurt. Not sure how bad it is. He hurt his hand. That's usually not a good thing for a quarterback. And so did Patrick Mahomes. Do either one of those things affect you gentlemen in the playoffs? Are you going to adjust anything because of them? Yeah, Jameis Winston is going to cause some problems for me if he's out. And I, I think that if Jameis Winston is out, the, the backup, Ryan Griffin, does not look promising. For anybody, right? Uh, <laughs> right. That hurts but everybody. I I did hear today that Patrick Mahomes' hand is supposedly okay, but just like very, very bruised. And the Roto World says James Winston has been cleared to play. All right. So we shouldn't be yeah. too concerned. I was going to say, everything that I've seen on both of them so far it makes it sound like they're both going to play, even if it's playing through pain or something. And I mean, I, I think it's super tough. Both these guys, I mean, Jameis has been, not since Brett Favre has anyone been as erratic as Jameis Winston has been this year. I mean, he's thrown almost the same amount of interceptions as he has touchdowns, and, and he's thrown 20-plus of both. Like, it's crazy. Um but I think that just from a fantasy perspective, both these guys, they give you such a high, like, perceived ceiling that I don't see how you can't start him in the fantasy playoffs. Honestly, like, Mahomes has been the one who's been more up and down this year and, and more down overall as of late, which is shocking. But, I mean, it really is true. So, honestly, I probably... <laughs> As crazy as it might sound, I might even feel more confident in starting Winston if both are healthy, but I think both are, are going to find your way into your starting lineup. I think it's hard to bench either. Yeah, I know we've had a conversation on the side, not on the podcast, Josh, with some other people about Jameis Winston. You love the beauty of how he throws interceptions. You think it yeah, leads I, to his brilliance on the other end of touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's absolutely. like The the DGAF in Jameis Winston is why he's able to throw as many touchdowns as he does, it, it is not easy to support as much wide receiver production as they have supported this year. Facts. I mean, yeah, it, what he's done this season has been just wild, but I think that there is something to it where I'm like, I don't, I, I would, I'd hate being a fan of that team because it's got to be so difficult to watch that many turnovers. Yeah, for sure. But like, from a production standpoint, it, it's still super impressive. Like, I mean, he's putting up huge numbers. I mean, he's going to have a 30 touchdown season. He's going to throw for over 4,500 yards. I mean, those are huge numbers. Yeah. It's a pretty interesting thing to, to look at and see and just wonder like, can a team like be successful with that? Can it really work? Or is it just us fantasy guys excited about it? Like, I mean, you know, is, is, is there like hope for Jameis Winston, to, like get better? Like, is, is there a, you know, is it just going to always be this way? Is it just, you know, what comes with being Jameis Winston and the way he plays? I mean, it's 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 interesting to look at. H- has he always been that way, though? Yeah, I, I feel like maybe it's maybe it's gotten a little worse or a little bit more high profile lately. But I do think this has pretty much always been who he is. Yeah. I, I, you know, like for a real NFL team, I think you just have to be willing if you have Jameis Winston to say, like, we are going to win by scoring more points than you like we're not doing this ball control you know slow it down no mistakes type of play we're we're gonna boat race you and we're gonna beat you that way i mean he really is the perfect quarterback for somebody like bruce arians because like he's just that that huge play push the ball downfield take a risk kind of quarterback and that's what arians loves to have and it's been 
like a beautiful matchup. I mean, just from a production standpoint, I mean, they're outproducing the league and passing dramatically. And I think that, you know, from that perspective, I'm going to be shocked if they moved on, move on from Winston next year, especially because I don't expect them to move on from Arians. So I, I expect them both to be back there next year. Um, but there seems to be this like weird talk of Jameis Winston getting replaced there, which just, I don't know, to me sounds crazy. Cause like, I, th- I think it's just that offense brings out the extremes on both sides for him. You know, he's going to take risks. And with that, he's going to throw a lot of interceptions, but he's going to have a lot of huge games as well. So I don't know. I think it's finding the ability to balance that risk. And, and to do that, you're going to have to have great defense. Yeah. Before before we move on from this, um, just looking at his past, you know, seasons in his rookie year, he was 22 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Then he went to 28 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. Uh, 19 and 11, 19 and 14, and now 26 and 23. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it's just the extremes on both sides. Yeah, completion percentage pretty much in the same range all every year. You know, been in the 4,000 yard club three seasons. This is the third one, and he's done that. So, I mean, it's all pretty much, you know, nothing else has changed. Just, you know, a few more interceptions, and he's just the same guy still. So, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. But yeah, I don't, I don't see. I don't know. Then moving on from him is just a, it can get way worse than Jameis Winston. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, two other guys that we need to mention really quick before we move on to the other segments of the show. Rashad Penny out for the season. Have I said that already? We mostly already glanced over it. We didn't address it directly, but, uh, but yeah, Rashad Penny, man, what a, what a nice little flash in the pan that all the Penny supporters got for a week there. <laughs> Josh, you just stay quiet. Let us handle this. Rashad I am dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> I asked Josh about Rashad Penny. That's all I can tell you. Uh, the other guy, Devontae Parker, has a concussion. That sucks. That's no good. And I don't know that the Dolphins have anything else. Like, what do you mean? What What are they? What are they trotting out a wide receiver? Not a wide receiver, Josh. But they have one of the best. Tight ends in the oh NFL. Lord. Well, they do have that. But I mean, <laughs> I, mean I thought I thought that's what you thought at least. Last week was no indication of Mike Gusecki's talent. He it's almost like he was irrelevant again. Oh, because um, he is. Yeah, but now with Devonta Parker out, he'll probably get funneled, you know, a handful of targets again. I don't know. I mean, his targets have actually been pretty consistent. He just didn't catch any of them last week, so that's unfortunate. You should say he's um, not for sure out though yet, right? I mean, there's still a chance. No, but it is very tough with players anymore to come back one week off of a concussion, um, especially late in the season when the team's out of any sort of playoff contention. They might just err on the side of caution. So I would say, unfortunately, Parker's probably going to miss. Um, obviously, if you have him, you're hoping he plays because he's definitely a lock button start in any lineup. I mean, he's been so consistent. But, uh, but yeah, I think that it, it's... It's a lot to hope for, and I, I don't see it happening. Get through that five-step protocol, buddy. Get through it. We need you this week. We need you, man. Let's move on to trust issues. The first trust issue we have on the list today is Tom Brady is a quarterback one in week 15 at Cincinnati. As anyone who watches football has known, the Patriots offense has struggled. They have had their their... They're weak moments here. They haven't looked amazing. Um, and so 
Tom Brady is one of those guys that people are now wondering. You know, he was always Mr. Dependable, right? You always knew you can get solid games out of him. And so now people are wondering, can they trust him in the playoffs when it all matters against a horrible team? You know, depending on these injuries and stuff that we say happened, I don't think, like you guys mentioned, that it's not really going to knock any of them out for the week. So if nobody's out for the week, I don't know if he could be a top 12 quarterback. I think he's like outside of that. He's top 15, maybe top 15. I I don't even know. I don't even. I don't think. I don't think there's any way he's a QB one next week. I mean, it, I I shouldn't say that. That's too much. But it, it's just it's unlikely. Since week seven, he's given you one QB one week, and that was week thirteen against Houston. You know, like he he still does have ceiling. It can still it can still hit, but I would not count on it. Yeah, I mean, it's really been a tale of two seasons for Brady. I mean, if you look at the first six weeks of the season, he had five games where he was scoring like 25, 23-plus fantasy points every single week. Um, and then since then, like Josh said, he's only had one top 12 performance. So I think it's very difficult, even in what should be a pretty cushy matchup. You know, Cincinnati has been playing with more excitement now that they are starting Andy Dalton again. And, you know, they won a game like they're they're They've got momentum. So I think it's one of those things where it, it, you, you can't, you can't feel confident starting Tom Brady. I, I don't, I don't feel confident starting Tom Brady. So to me, you know, for him to be top 12, you're basically saying, I'm going to start this guy this week. And I, I just, I could not tell people to do that. So could I see it? Yeah, I mean, there's an outlier for it, but I, I wouldn't feel confident in it at all. Like, just, Tom Brady is not playing that well. Like, first in attempts, third – or I'm sorry, first in attempts, third in completions, 38th in completion percentage, 58th in fantasy points over expectation. He's just – he's not playing very well. He doesn't have great wide receivers either, but – you know, next week against Cincinnati and kind of just a neutral matchup, I don't see – I don't count on Brady to smash there. Let me ask you guys this. Would you guys play Gardner Minshew against Oakland over Tom Brady? Yeah. I think I would. Yeah, probably. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of bias there. Like, I mean, it's a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more fun. Honestly, I mean, if – I don't know. I think I'd probably play Brady. Would you play? <laughs> I think I would probably play Brady there, but I mean, you know, that's how close it is. You're thinking about it, and I don't think Gardner Minshew is anywhere near the top twelve, let alone like even the top fifteen. So, yeah, there's some interesting matchups, man. Even like Ryan Fitzpatrick versus Giants. I know he's without Parker possibly, but still, like, I mean, I don't know, man. Like some of these offenses have looked alive, and the Patriots just haven't. Like, ah, man, I don't know, man. I definitely don't put him in the top 12. You know, there's no question. I mean, he's outside of that. But um, again, it all comes down to who you have and, you know, what are your options? If the waivers are depleted and there's no one on your bench that's better than Brady, then you just roll with Brady, you know. But um, I don't think he's going to kill anybody. But, you know, when you need guys to win you the playoffs, it's going to be tough to feel great about Brady, I feel like, at this point. Um, So, yeah, he's not he's not a it looks like we all have trust issues as far as quarterback one. Um, the next one, Austin Hooper hits the over on his 15.8 points per game average this week. 
Trust or trust issues, gentlemen? He's playing the 49ers, if that matters to you. I would I would not count on it happening this week. You know, 15.8, that's that's a pretty it's a pretty high expectation. He was doing it. He's that good of a player, but I just want to see it. You know, and last week against Carolina, we got 5.2. And the three weeks before that, you know, he was out. So for me to just believe that he's going to be back to normal Austin Hooper, I need to see it a little bit first. You know, I don't know. I honestly, like, my my first instinct was right there with you, Josh. But then I'm thinking about it more, and you've got the consolidation of targets from Calvin Ridley being out. You've got this weird matchup with San Francisco, who Jared Cook, before he went out last week, was just destroying and I don't know if that was just a fluke or if there's some weakness in that defense to the tight end position. I I I think that like the 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 fifteen point threshold is a really great over under because I think it's very hard to say he's going to go over that. But um, but I think I mean if you have him, he he's someone I'd feel very confident starting, even if I think that it's probably more likely than not that he gets like 10 to 15 points than 15 plus. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there, there there's both sides of the coin that you both have hit on. You both have, you know, hit on the positives and the negatives on what could happen here. And then also not to mention that San Francisco has given up some touchdowns to tight ends the last couple of weeks, I believe. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's the possibility. I mean, he would, it's his average for a reason, right? Like it's what he does. Um, but you know, with some of the things that Josh mentioned, I think it would be hard to think he'll go over that. Um, but I don't think like, like, like Adam said, if you got him, you start him with confidence, unless for some reason you have somebody that you feel way better about. Um, but yeah, I think you start him and I don't, I, he, he won't, I have trust issues on hitting that, that point per game though. Uh, me and Josh both have trust issues on that points per game. Adam, you said you do believe he could do it or you don't think he'll hit it, but you think he's no, still... I would say that he has trust issues on okay. hitting that points per game. I okay. think it's more realistic that he has like a 10 to 15 point game, but I think he definitely has that upside. Okay. Fair. All right. The next one giants quarterback, whether it's Eli or Danny dimes, do you trust them to be a top 20 quarterback this week? I got to mention that he did actually try to, uh, I think, uh, legally take that Danny dimes. <laughs> he actually filed a copyright. Uh, I believe this week I read somewhere. Um, so yeah, Danny dimes is trying to get in his bag right now. Trying to lock that, that name down. Do you guys trust these two to be a top 20 one or the other, both who knows how late them all get involved. Do you trust either one or both to be a top 20 quarterback this week? I think I think Daniel Jones is worth the risk, at least, because he has the ceiling. You know, he's he's been <clears throat> the QB three in week 10, QB one in week eight. And in between, you get 22, 13, 31. So he, he could burn you, but he at least has the ceiling. You know, he could go off and and make your week. I don't know that Eli has ceiling or floor i i do not trust him at all i mean 16 points 16 points against philadelphia that's been getting torched by everybody and i think his second half stats in that game were just really bad like i don't know if he can make it through a 40 attempt game anymore the giants are playing the dolphins for what it's worth you playing him over brady 
No. No. Not a chance. No. Not a chance. This is where people have to understand the matchup thing isn't really what it appears. (laughs) It would depend on the the players. Yeah, I think Josh hit the nail on the head, man. Last week was so weird. I mean, you're watching the first half of that game, and it's just the Darius Slayton show, man. And he's just making Eli look like, you know, it's something that I mentioned uh, to, to Neil, but like, there's this thing that happens to me when when I see a rookie wide receiver play well with a rookie or a really young quarterback. Um, I just always have the thought, man, if they played with a veteran, they would be so much better. Because there's something that a veteran quarterback brings to an offense. It's that stability that, to me, just allows them to thrive. And, I mean, you saw it last week. And like Josh was saying, in the first half, it seemed like, you know, they're going to go out and just be phenomenal. And Eli is going to be, you know, playing consistent and, and making plays. And the second half happened, and I don't even know if he completed a pass. Like, it was it was so night and day. So I, I don't think you can feel confident in him at all. And I don't think Daniel Dimes is playing. Uh, if he is, I probably wouldn't feel confident in him playing the whole game. Uh, I think that there would be risk of them pulling him for different reasons, especially because, you know, their season's done. They don't want to risk their young quarterback. I mean, that's the franchise quarterback at this point. So, yeah, I think that the the Giants is a stay away. Yeah, it's interesting you made that point about the like the rookie quarterbacks or the young quarterbacks with the rookie wide receivers because two guys that have kind of fit that mold that kind of mind are Darius Slayton and Terry McLaurin. Both, man. They both oh, shine. Yeah, sure. They both flash. And it's like, man, if these guys are just – you know, different quarterbacks right now in their career, like how would they be doing? You know what I mean? Like it's interesting. So those two are going to be fun to watch, you know, to see how they develop. I think in the future, when a guy like Darius Slayton, man, you guys are going to be hard-pressed to say a quarterback won't be top 20 each week because he's a baller, but we'll see. I mean, another one that's kind of a lesser extent was Preston Williams. Yep. Like, you know, before Ryan Fitzpatrick was throwing him the ball, it was, it was nothing. And then as soon as Fitzpatrick took over, I mean, they were – doing fantastic too so yeah there's something about that veteran presence like we like to we like to knock the quote-unquote bad qbs in the nfl but there's a reason that guys start for nfl teams for years yeah (laughs) and why they keep them around forever um all right the last trust issues that we have here is deandre washington is at least as good as josh jacobs Uh, this is this is ridiculous this is clearly this is clearly josh being bitter about rashad penny you know what, though? <laughs> <laughs> don't even start. You, you, you know the thing. <laughs> you phony. Don't you even start, you phony. Uh, no. So it's fascinating because uh, DeAndre Washington was targeted more than Josh Jacobs has ever been. <laughs> it's, mm. it's mind-boggling. Mm. Um, especially because DeAndre Washington is someone who, up until this season, had not really been utilized as a passing threat in the Raiders offense. Um, But when he was at Texas tech, he was a great multi-purpose back. um, And he was really consistent as a pass catcher. Uh, So I've always been surprised that the Raiders didn't utilize that more. So to see that in this game, I mean, that's what to me makes him a confident fantasy start. Does he replace Josh Jacobs? Not in any way whatsoever. Josh Jacobs is a phenomenal between the tackles runner. Who's going to be able to carry the ball. 20 to 30 times a game and not bat an eye at it. I'll be shocked if DeAndre Washington sees, you know, 20 attempts in a game. I do not see that happening. 
Um, I'd love it, but I, I just I don't see it occurring. I think that what we just saw from a production standpoint and from a volume standpoint is probably about the peak of what we'll see from him, which is 20 touches. Um, but if he can continually get targets in the passing game, I mean, he's going to be a phenomenal fantasy asset. And I'm really excited if he starts again this week for him to play against Jacksonville because I think that's a great matchup. And I think that as the you know the season wears on and, and teams lose contention for the playoffs and whatnot, young guys like this tend to be the ones that emerge because they have something to be playing for. And, and he definitely does. I mean, to continue to stay on that roster and potentially be the number two behind Josh Jacobs would be a great role to have. Yeah, I don't even know if he'll be there. I don't even know if he'll be there next year, man. You love DeAndre Washington way more than I love DeAndre Washington, but I could just be an angry fan, you know? Like, I'm a fan of the team, so maybe I am a little more critical. I'm not crazy about any of the Raiders' backups. I run so, back. Nate, would you be shocked then if next week they came out and it's a 50-50 split between him and Richard? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Jacobs is back there next week. I wouldn't be surprised about anything. They just signed Rod Smith. Fractured shoulder. They yeah, just, I, I honestly, I mean, if I'm a Raiders fan, I want them to sit him for the rest of the year, but all right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, at uh, the press conference, he said that, Gruden said that uh, they asked him about Josh Jacobs, and they said that he he gave an impassioned plea to play in the game. He uh, John Gruden, yeah, actually, this is quote, said. These guys are irrational, man. John Gruden said he sat in my coach's office. He wanted to play, and he got really emotional about not playing. He doesn't want to let his teammates down. I don't know where he's going to be this week, but if he's ready to go and he's clear to play, he'll play. He's a great back and a great centerpiece for our team moving forward. So, I don't know. I mean, they're not they're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, right? No, they're I mean, not. With three weeks left, so yeah. yeah. I mean, if he says he can go and the doctors don't rule him out, I I bet he plays this week. I, I mean, I I think you're probably right. I don't think he should, but I think you're probably right. Yeah. So. I wouldn't get crazy about the DeAndre Washington hype train. Pump the brakes, fellas. Pump the brakes. I would get him anywhere you can. Yeah. I I would grab him, but who knows? Yeah, it doesn't hurt to have him. I mean, with how many injuries are out there, he's like, he's a diamond in the rough, man. He could be. He could be a big deal. DeAndre Washington wins fantasy championships. Yeah, I like the sound of that. I mean, I, if I had any fab left, DeAndre Washington all the way. <laughs> On to our rankums. We have some interesting lists here today, fellas. We have some interesting players. The first list that we have for our rankum. So Eckler, Singletary, and Kareem Hunt. I, I'm struggling with this one. I mean, so first of all, Devin Singletary has all the volume. Like if if that's what you want to chase, which is not not usually a terrible thing to do, it's Devin Singletary by leaps and bounds. Um, so the bad thing about them is that he has the worst matchup of the three. I want to say it's I want to say it's Pittsburgh. Is that right? Yes, it is. So that that puts a damper on him. But I still think it's only like okay. So you dial back his efficiency, and he still has all the volume. I just I'm having a hard time not putting Devin Singletary first, and then out of the other two, Eckler and Hunt are getting similar volume, and I want to say that Eckler has a better matchup coming up in Week 15, so I would give him the nod over Hunt. I think they're 
really fairly similar players, those two. I mean, uh, just so you know, Eckler plays Minnesota and Hunt plays Arizona. So, no. <laughs> Hunt, Hunt definitely has an easier matchup. Okay. Yeah, Hunt is at Arizona and then uh, they're at Minnesota. I don't know what to do with the last two then. Man, I feel like I need to put Eckler first. I can't. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I can't. I cannot move him from first. Like he has to be first for me. I would go Eckler. I actually might put Hunt last. I don't know. Adam, you put Hunt first. I mean, second because he's playing Arizona. I mean, he's still not going to get to work. Foremost, so be get. before anything else, like all three of these guys, I think are startable. If you're trying to make decisions amongst them. Like, it is obviously really difficult. And the reason for that is pretty just. Austin Eckler probably has the highest floor and highest ceiling. Kareem Hunt probably has the most steady floor. And Devin Singletary probably has a lower ceiling than Austin Eckler and a lower floor than Austin Eckler, but a higher ceiling and, like, lower floor than Hunt. Like, it it makes sense why they're all kind of in that range. I think Singletary, honestly, like, from what we've seen recently is the only one that I, I guess I feel confident in his workload, but from a production standpoint, that hasn't mattered at all for Austin Eckler. I mean, he's been phenomenal this whole year. And I, I feel like I can't, I can't overlook that. So for me, Eckler goes at number one. And then with Singletary and Hunt, I think Hunt gives you a really high floor, but I don't see any ceiling there, even against Arizona. I mean, he definitely could flash. He's a great like DFS player for that. But if you, these are the guys that you're like trying to start, and it's a pick two, I'm I'm definitely starting Eckler, and I think I'm going Singletary. Yeah, same with me. Josh is like hell no. I, I mean, Devin Singletary in his last three games: twenty-one carries, fourteen carries, seventeen carries and then in his last game he had eight targets as well four and two before that josh i i I don't know how much you care about matchups either but he's playing pittsburgh and new england to finish the season two which is not nice at all that stinks i mean the pittsburgh game too is a like potential playoff matchup two teams playing for playoff positioning like there's gonna be there's definitely gonna be a lot on the line in that game so i i don't know i mean for me i just think that Man, Eckler, I, I, Eckler's the one that, based on volume, you should be like, I don't, I don't see how this could be. Like from a volume perspective, I totally get Singletary over both of these two because Hunt and Eckler probably project to have similar volume, but they're both very similar players in the sense that like they don't need volume to be extraordinarily productive. So, whereas Singletary is probably more likely to get the volume, he needs it to be productive. And I don't think Eckler or Hunt do. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree with that. I mean, Eckler's had a couple of long breakaway plays in the last two or three weeks. He it's just it's what he does. It's crazy. I mean, it reminds me of there was God, it was like five years ago now or six where uh Danny Woodhead ended up be, like finishing the season as the RB three. Yeah, like, Eckler's gonna finish the year as a top five or top three fantasy running back, 
And it's just crazy that we're in the fantasy playoffs and we're still like, I don't know if you can start them. Let me let, like, let, let, just, let me ask you guys. So hard. Let me ask you guys this. I actually have a team that's in the playoffs in a league, right? And I have Melvin Gordon and Eckler, and they're playing Minnesota this week. Which one of those two guys would you bench to put in like Aaron Jones? I mean, I'm benching Gordon. That's, what, that's, yeah, that's what I'm doing too. Yeah. That's, that's why I'm I mean, asking. I think you we, got it. What, what about James White? Would you play him over them against Cincinnati? No, I'd rather play Eckler. Eckler and Jones or Eckler and James White? Jones? So many options. You know what I mean with that team for me? I don't know. But yeah, I, I would bench Gordon too. And I've been saying that, man. I said that on Twitter. When Gordon came back, I was like, it's still Eckler over Gordon. Even Matt Kelly was like, stop it. But I'm like, for real, man. Like, that's just how I feel. Just I mean, means. Gordon's been super consistent, but yeah. you're not wrong, man. You're not wrong. Eckler, I mean, he, like I said, I mean, he's a player who doesn't need a lot of touches to do spectacular things. Yep. So, but are we just looking at a player who's been hot, just running hot and saying, oh, look, he's so good and he's actually just running hot? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy when these guys run hot for an entire season. <laughs> like, that's what we do. We totally do this. Like, this is just the we're taught that only volume-based production is worthy. I mean, and, that's, that's that's really like a, a hard fallacy in the fantasy community, or especially the analytics community, is that you have to have volume to have production. And over the long run, that that is true. But the NFL is a small sample size game. I mean, we're talking about 16-game seasons. We're talking about fantasy seasons that are less than that. So I think for a season, I mean, we're seeing it. Like, you don't need volume, per se, to have an extremely productive season. Uh, I mean, I think in context of, like, this year, you have to continue being confident in Eckler. I can see for future seasons being very questionable as to what type of volume he's going to get and if he's going to be continually this efficient. But I think for this year, like I, I cannot bench a guy like that. Yeah, and when you look at his, you know, his um, his targets and his attempts and everything, like he can literally rush the ball for less than ten attempts a game, which is, you know, more often than not. I mean, there's some games where he gets more, but that's when Gordon's out and this and that. And then target wise, when you see him even get four targets, like he does crazy stuff with it. I mean, four receptions, he does crazy stuff with it. Like it's just nuts. The only game that I'm just looking at one of my. Um, lineups that I have with him in it. I'm looking at the game log for fantasy points with him. There's only one game he didn't score in double digits, and that was against Pittsburgh. Well, your boy Singletary is playing. So I don't know, man. If, if Eckler couldn't get double digits against Pittsburgh, I'll pass on him on Singletary getting double digits against him. I don't know. I don't know what happened that game. I, I don't have all the information. But yeah, that's the only game he didn't score double digits, at least in this league scoring. But um, yeah, man. He's he's Fuego, man. He's Fuego. You gotta put him first, Josh. Are you gonna are you gonna end this with saying Singletary is still over Eckler this week? I think I think Sing I think Singletary has a higher like 50th percentile projection, and I think he even has a better 75th percentile. But then I think Eckler has this like 30.1% chance that I don't think Singletary has at all. Josh, which one are you putting first this week? Singletary. Okay. Gotcha. Singletary, Eckler, Eckler. Do what you want with it, folks. Next group we have here, Drew Brees, Dak Prescott, and Ryan the God Tannehill. Man, man, what a group here. I'll just jump out. I'll just jump out right now. I'm putting Tannehill first, baby. Let's go, Tannehill. Let's go. The Titans are playing the Texans. That's money in the bank right there. Drew Brees is playing the Colts. 
not too shabby. And Dak, my boy Dak, I'm putting him last on this list. He is playing the Rams. I'm going Tannehill first. Tannehill first, Breeze, Dak. Someone tell me why I'm crazy. I mean, I I don't necessarily think it's crazy. Um, I'd pro- I'm probably still going Breeze over Tannehill, but I, I definitely don't think it's crazy. Um, I think last week from what we saw from Breeze, like he still has ceiling potential. It's it's crazy, but I mean he does, and you know that was a home game. He's about to play another home game. Drew Brees always does better at home. I mean, you know, I just I think that I think that based on just historical trends and Drew Brees being a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback and coming off of a forty point game, I'm just not I'm not benching him for any quarterback. I mean. It'd be very, very hard for me to bench him. So in this situation, he definitely just has to go to the top of the list for me. And then, I mean, from there, Tannehill and Prescott is closest, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling super confident in Tannehill. I mean, since he's taken over the job there, he's just been extraordinarily efficient. And that's what you want to see from your fantasy quarterback is efficiency. And with, you know, that offense playing Houston in what's going to be a really important game for playoff positioning, I think that he's going to need to be sharp. And he's been that so far. Whereas Dak Prescott and the Dallas offense has just been a train wreck as of late. And he's bailed himself out for fantasy production. But I don't feel confident in that always being the case. I don't know. I mean, I think if you have any of these three, I'd feel fine starting them. But if I if I'm forced to rank them, I think it's pretty evident that I go Breeze, Tannehill, Prescott. I mean, for me, though, Breeze, like he's had some down games, right? Since he's been back, he didn't play great against Atlanta. He didn't play great against oh Atlanta twice, right? I don't yeah. think he, so like when you have those cases where like there's these down games, Tannehill hasn't had those games. Tannehill hasn't scored less than like 27 points in any game since he's played like at least the last five. So, like, that consistency makes me feel really good in the playoffs when I need to win games. I can't have an 11-point game for my quarterback, though. You Correct. I mean? But you actually just pointed it out. The only two games that you're referencing were both against Atlanta. Every single other game that Drew Beas has played this year, he's scored over 20 fantasy points. Yeah, but why against Atlanta? So bad, man. I can't, I can't that, ignore it. I mean, I can't that, they're it. a great defense that's in their division that see him constantly who – I've played games at the peak of their ability against him. I mean, you know, it, it's not it's not shocking. I don't know. I think that you're stuck on Tannehill, so keep going. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> Brees is the better play. Josh, put Dak here. Come on, man, do something. It's Tannehill in front. Thank he's you. Got, Thank got, you. No, no, no. See, Neil was wrong. So now you have to try it. So why? Go ahead. Now you can answer. Well, why? Why not Brees? <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna start with why Tannehill. One thing we haven't talked about here is that Tannehill is actually rushing more than Dak even. So 38, 37, 40, these are rushing numbers that, that Tannehill is putting up. I didn't realize that he was doing that much. Breeze, Breeze is very good. I would put him ahead of Dak quite a bit, close to Tannehill. But I, I just trust it more from Tannehill. It just it's just he's he's riding that high. I don't I don't think if you have to start any of these three guys, there's any issue. I mean, going into the playoffs, you feel great 
well, any of these guys, none of them have hard matchups. None of them are, you know, not playing well. Like you feel good about any of these guys, but I just feel like Drew Brees is the oldest. He's not going to take off and run if he can really. Like Dak can run, Tannehill can run. Like I don't know, man. Tannehill's got the sweet ass Houston matchup. I just feel like the only thing that can kill Tannehill and it, like it didn't last week was like that you could score in other ways against Houston, which they can run the shit out of the ball. But like even then, you know, he ran the score up on the Raiders and he and he did well himself too. So like I, I don't see the downside. Like I think when an offense is clicking like that. You just don't fuck with it, man. It's just something's ha- something's happening really good there, and the momentum is going with it, and everything is everything is perfect right now for the Titans. So I feel really good about it. Drew Brees again. It's, it's sitting here trying to knock Drew Brees is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of stupid, but like or Dak at this point the way he's played this year. But I just feel like Tannehill. I'm riding that wave, man. I'm riding that wave. Everything looks right. Houston, everybody's clicking. AJ Brown's going off. No one can stop Henry. Like, it just feels right, man. When you got a guy like Henry, it's hard to pay attention to Tannehill like that, man. It just is what it is. So I feel good about Tannehill first, man. I'm glad Josh is over here with me, man. Breeze Breeze has to get there on touchdowns. Like, he had a 40-point week, and he had five touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill in week 12 had a 32-point week with only two touchdowns because he also had 40 rushing yards. Like, I just – I like that. I like that more that he doesn't have to get there on touchdowns. There you go, Adam. Take that shit, boy. Take that. I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, these are all great options. If you got these guys in your fancy playoffs right now, you're feeling good. And let's be honest, if you have these three guys and you're and you're like, I mean, you're doing great. Who cares? But I mean, who who really has these options to choose from? Some people might. Some people might have Drew Brees get hurt and they picked up Ryan Tannehill. So this is a legit thing this week, probably. You know what I mean? So Damn. Yeah, that is tough. Man, people are gonna be pissed at us tomorrow next week if Brian Tillman sucks. Josh will be he will be burning us at the stakes, Josh. Man. Uh you know what? Like there's a really good chance that I just tilt myself off the planet after <laughs> next anyway. So nothing matters. And the next group we have here are tight ends who literally have lit the league on fire, man. Tight ends have gone crazy. It went from like three good tight ends to like everybody's scoring. Everybody's getting 100 yards. Everybody's playing amazing. We got Ian Thomas on the list. We got Tyler Higby on the list. We got Noah Fant on the list. We're going to let Adam go first since we just went against him on the last one. Go ahead, Adam. Oh, why you give me all the hard ones? Oh, this is hard for you? Okay, I can yeah. go first. It's fine. Uh, Tyler Higby jumps out to the top of the list for me. Um, I mean, he's got the best quarterback. <laughs> um, but, uh, but really, I mean... He, he's had a very consistent target share over the last two weeks. Um, you know, it could have just been the Arizona game. You know, Arizona has always been light against tight ends, but for them to come out and target him 11 times last week just showed me that, you know, they're looking to go to him. And, you know, with with uh, Cooks being out now and them really not utilizing Cooper Cup much at all, I just think that, you know, the, the possibility for a high target share is there once again against Dallas. And to me, he just feels like he's in the best position of the group. Um, from the other two, I'm probably going to go Ian Thomas over Fant. Um, I mean, 10 targets last week is hard to pass up. And furthermore, I mean, you know, that that offense feels a little bit more secure. I mean, even though they just fired their head coach, like just – from a standpoint of, I, I just, I don't know what to trust out of Denver. I mean, they flashed last week 
And in that flash, you know, Noah Fan had four big catches, and that was that. I just don't know if I can really trust that moving forward. Like, I think that if he goes off, it's going to be a similar week, and those are just much harder to predict. So, yeah, for me, he's at the bottom of the list. Adam, uh, Josh? I, I I have to put Ian Thomas first. The, he's the new hottest, man. And he, he came out in this one in this one game. He had more volume and opportunity than Greg Olson has had in any of his games this year. So I, I think that he's definitely the better player than than Tyler Boyd. Not Tyler Boyd. Tyler Higby, who has been really second fiddle to Gerald Everett all year long. And then Fant... I, you know, I guess it's just – he's just not getting the same amount of volume that these other two guys have been getting. I think he's a really good, exciting player, but the volume isn't there. Yeah, yeah. Fan, I think Fant goes last also because we don't know what to think with Drew Locke. Like, is he going to keep doing that? I mean, Fant has had two games this year over 100 yards, I think. 100 yards and a touchdown, two games, week nine and week 14. That's interesting. But again, all on like like you guys said, three, four receptions, you know? The other yeah. two were the other two we're talking about. I mean, Higby's been crazy since Everett's been gone <laughs> the last two weeks. Like just gone nuts over hundred yards each game. Got a touchdown on one of them. Tons of targets, tons of receptions. And then, you know, same with uh you know, same with uh Thomas last week. But I mean, is Thomas gonna do it again? Is Olsen out next week for sure? I think he's in concussion protocol. Isn't okay. He? I mean, if he plays, that changes everything, of course. Um, yeah, but, it does. But if not, if they should just let Greg Olson take an extra week. Get better, <laughs> buddy. Yeah, I, I think I put Higby first. Higby first. I might even put Fant second, and Thomas last. That's what I'm going to do, folks. I'm going to ride the waves because I don't think Ian Thomas is going to do it again. I don't think he's going to score a touchdown again. And I don't know if, if uh, our boy Olsen's back. So I'm going to go Higby. I'm going to side with Adam. Higby is a good – is um, Everett out for the year? I don't know. It feels like it. it. feels like he should be at this point. All right. Let's move on to our locks of the week. I feel like I need to mention again that I kicked everyone's ass. But what, what did your players do? We all did very well. What did your players uh, do? Who was your player, Adam? Anthony Miller. He's he Thursday night, right? Yeah, thirteen point five PPR points, scored a touchdown. So that was not, pretty not good. Not bad for a flex. Uh, Josh did even better, right? Yeah, I think Zach Pascal ended up with around twenty. Yeah. Damn. On any given week, which would have been phenomenal. Yeah. A normal week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this was not a normal week. I mean, it was a normal week for our flex locks, but on any week, those are great flexes, both of them. And on any week in our flex locks of the week, those guys would have won their weeks probably. Um, but, you know, A.J. Brown went the fuck off. We already talked about this. Um, you guys tried to hold me down all season. That's cool. Like I said, it was a hustle the whole time. But we'll move on from, you know, my A.J. Brown snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. And we'll talk about new flex locks of the week. So this is important now. This is important. We all hit last week. So now I feel like the pressure is on us even more. We've proved we can do this thing right, guys. Does any, anyone want to go first, or you want me to let go first? It has become tradition for the winner to go first. I can go first, but I just don't want yeah. to steal anybody's guy. Do it. Okay. I'm trying to piss some people off again. 
Let's go back to my old ways. Let's go back to my old ways. I'm kind of in between here, right? Listen, I have two guys. One is Isaiah Ford of the Dolphins if Parker's out. If Parker's playing, I'm not sticking with Isaiah Ford, though. And then I go to Debo Samuel. So you guys choose how you want this to run. (laughs) Okay, cool. So it's like I'm going to go for an obscure, like actual good lock of the week. And if he's not playing, just like a lock button wide receiver that everybody's playing no matter what. Everyone's not playing Debo Samuel. Are you kidding? They're not playing Debo Samuel. Get out of here. Everyone's playing Debo Samuel. Have you seen what he's done recently? All right. Isaiah Ford it is. I mean, you you can have a backup. Your backup cannot be Debo Samuel. Isaiah Ford it is. I don't need a fucking backup. <laughs> Debo Samuel has not scored below 13 fantasy points in Lies. five weeks. That's a lie. He's only done it once in the last seven weeks. Josh, tell me he's lying. What are you talking about? Tell me he's lying, Josh. I'm looking at it right now, you loser. I I feel like Isaiah Ford is like super deep. (laughs) Like that's what I'm saying. It's so funny. He's like, I'm gonna go with the player who's Isaiah Ford. Listen, 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 listen. I won't I won't tell you to start Isaiah Ford. If you're in a good spot, Isaiah Ford obviously isn't an option. And if you're in the playoffs, you probably don't need Isaiah Ford. But, I mean, hey, I'm a Parker owner in one of my playoff teams. I'm going to pick up Isaiah Ford just in case Parker doesn't play. He literally had the most targets on the Dolphins last week. Not Alan Hearns. Albert Wilson got a concussion, too. So if Albert Wilson's out with a concussion, Devontae Parker's out with a concussion, Alan Hearns is a scrub who didn't even get more targets than Isaiah Ford when Parker went out. He went for 92 yards on nine targets, six receptions. What are you guys talking about? And he you plays know, the Giants. You know what? I, I love the Isaiah Ford pick, and it's made me want to go super deep with my pick as well. <laughs> Fucking That's do fine. it. I'll just win. <laughs> oh, man, you, you're making me want to pivot, but there's no pivoting, guys. I mean, if it, if it wasn't evident already, I mean, we don't even need to do this. It, it's DeAndre Washington. Oh, my God. All right. I mean, it's not even a question. He He's a lock button. It, I mean, if Josh Jacobs is out, which I'm expecting him to be, DeAndre Washington is in your lineup. He's in DFS lineups. He's going to be probably way too owned in DFS, if we're being honest, but He's, he's going to have another 20-point fantasy performance. Like I, I definitely see it. Um, but I do want to throw out a super deep play that I, I don't think is going to steal from Josh. But just to be on the safe side, Josh, you can go ahead and go first. And well, for, well, first, I, I will say this, Adam, first. If DeAndre Washington, if Josh Jacob plays, then you take Josh Jacob as your flex lock, right? Like I took Debo Samuel. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Josh Jacobs and Debo Samuel, if, if, if both of our guys. Yeah. There we go. I like that. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Josh. Okay, I'm I'm gonna roll uh, D.D. Westbrook against the Raiders. So, so DJ Chark is week to week. They say that sounds to me like not playing this week. And D.D. has been resurgent lately. In the last few games, he's seen nine targets, eight targets, seven targets. He's getting 90 percent of the snaps. I, I feel like this is a good place for Didi to go off. So you're saying there's a chance he doesn't play, though? 
there's a chance that Chark doesn't play. Oh, Chark doesn't play. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, which I don't know. I don't really love the feeling of a you know neutered Jaguars offense for Didi, but probably does mean a little bit more volume if they can stay on the field long enough to throw the ball. Nice. All right. Can I throw out my super deep lock of the week? Don't matter. Yeah. You DFS nuts out there that uh, Neil is going to make fun of me for. Guys, it's uh, it's Nelson Aguilar week. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Not <It> Aguilar. <laughs> the, the, only, the only two weeks that Alshon Jeffrey has missed this year or gone without being targeted, Alshon Jeffrey. Or, I'm sorry, Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> <laughs> Nelson Aguilar has put up over 25 or 24 fantasy points in both games. He's a super deep play, but I like it. And I they like play it. the Redskins. Uh, it's such a cake matchup, too. Mm, if only he can catch the ball. That's a good one because the Aguilar hate is all about drops, right? And then drops are like just they don't really matter to wide receivers. I'll say this. Isaiah Ford, get him in your lineups. DeAndre Washington, I don't know what to tell you guys. This guy's fraud pulling that card. And D.D. Westbrook, who's going to burn the Raiders, of course. So that's just what's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting group. Do you think there's any chance all three of us can have success again this week? Seems very unlikely with this group. (laughs) Not if you think about our other group, which is... Couldn't have said it better yourself. Not if you think about our other group, which is Jacobs, Debo Samuel, and Josh, why don't you pick an obvious guy for your backup in case D.D. Westbrook gets hurt somehow in practice before the game? Oh, okay. How about Chris Godwin? Okay, perfect. (laughs) There you go. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) We can't miss either way. All right, I'm telling you guys, you guys are gonna really, really, really. You're gonna have you to know come what's on this. Gonna happen. All of our locks are gonna score under five points, but Nelson Aguilar is gonna score eighty. Listen, <laughs> listen, it's gonna be nuclear. I'm letting everybody know in waivers. I am picking up Rashad Perriman and Isaiah Ford everywhere. Just know that. Just know that. And then in, in our in my dynasty league, I'll even say right now in the playoff league, I picked up both of them on waivers. No one's gonna outbid me because I kept all my money. And so I just started bidding on guys that I don't want anyone to take. So I picked them all up at a price that nobody has enough cap to have to beat me out with. Josh, by the way, there was a trade in our dynasty league that affects you this week, my man. It just happened. What? It just happened. What? Yeah. Our guy, no halftime, traded DK Metcalf and two second round picks to your opponent in our dynasty league. And he gave up Thaleen and a third round pick. He got say say that again. He gave up Thaleen because he's not playing. Did you say Thaleen? Thaleen, Thaleen, Adam, fucking Adam, whatever. Fuck. Listen, you're the one that says shit wrong. Don't try to pull that card. Man, you guys both. (laughs) Adam Thaleen, listen. I'm 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 in flux. Say it right that time. Listen, fuck how you say his name. I'm in flux right now because of this trade. And how do you feel about this? Like, is this all good? He got okay. Adam Thielen. He traded Thielen. He traded Thielen. Your opponent traded Thielen, and a third round pick because Thielen's not playing. Plus picks. And he got Metcalf plus picks. I think it's a great trade. I think it's fine. Like I'm not gonna go throw a fit about that trade. Are you a little more concerned now that your boys got Metcalf against you? Mm, Yeah, but I mean, I don't know how how different is it? It's good for him. Like it, it helps him. I'm not saying it doesn't, but it doesn't. It's not like he went out and got 
Christian McCaffrey or something. I'm not I'm not really sweating DK Metcalf. Well, it's other news. I just traded him Christian McCaffrey. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I just think it's interesting. Breaking news on the podcast, man. Just wanted to get your first. I wanted to get your initial thoughts, man. I, you know what? I'm all for it, dude. Make the trades, send your picks, do all of that shit right in the middle of the playoffs. I like it. What's interesting is, is he has Tyler Lockett also. So what's he going to do? Quite He's the- going to get 12 points out of one of them. <laughs> Quite the <laughs> conundrum. Will he start both? What will he do? I don't know. We'll see, man. We'll see if it was purely a dynasty dynasty move or a move to beat you, Josh. We'll see how it plays out. Um, all right. On to foul or no foul, and we're going to close this bad boy out after that. The first foul or no foul is the drama of the NFL this week. The Patriots were cheating again, but this time they had an elaborate plot to disguise it. Foul or no foul? No foul. I mean, they're obviously cheating. It's the Patriots. I mean, <laughs> I don't even feel bad about it. Like, I mean, it's like rubbing his racing. You know, if he ain't cheating, he ain't trying. Like, I, I don't know. I Like, I, I almost... I don't have this harsh look at it that I feel like everyone else in the league does. I honestly would not be surprised if half the league does stuff like this. And honestly, like, I think it's, I think it's hilarious that, you know, they're, they're out there scouting, you know, a team that has one win on the season, but that that's the Patriot way, you know? Yeah. And I think the Patriot way also is potentially throwing games against teams you're going to be playing in the playoffs because they've been running the most vanilla defenses the last couple weeks. And I just think it's so funny that they're so like locked in on trying to win against the Bengals that they're going to supposedly scout their offense and like f- try and film them <laughs> I mean, against the Bengals. And yet they're... You know, they're, they're losing these games that are teams they're going to see in the playoffs. I mean, every loss they have this year is to another team that they very well could see in the playoffs. And it's just, I don't know, it feels weirdly calculated. Yeah, it does. I think they're cheating. They always cheat. But it does bring me to a question to you guys. If I'm sure this isn't the rule, so they can't cheat, right? Because that's why the NFL is investigating them. Whatever, the, whatever they did here, the NFL is investigating it. I'm sure they're going to clear them and whatever. But I'm curious, in baseball, I don't know if you guys seen it recently. I think it was the Astros got in trouble because they said that they had a camera on the pitcher and, you know, the pitcher, I mean the catcher and the catcher, you know, is always throwing signals down for what the pitcher should pitch. And apparently they would like watch the catchers and know what their calls meant and then watch them in live time on camera and in the dugout and allow the player, the batter to know what's about to come. So they would knock depending like one knock for a fastball, two knocks for a slider, three for a changeup, whatever. And this way, the batter knew every single pitch that was coming. I don't know if that's in the rule book that it's illegal because it doesn't seem like it is. But maybe it's one of those rules like, you know, you just don't look at our you just don't steal our, our you know, our signals. But I mean, how, how do you guys feel about teams when they do stuff like this? Like, do you feel like, hey, good for them. They're trying to win. That's the whole point of this thing. Or do you feel like there should be some like laws and rules, whether written or unwritten, that you shouldn't just do these kind of things? You know what I mean? I think it's hilarious that we get this upset about something like potentially filming on the sidelines when literally like there's film of every game, like it's all available. Yeah. So what, what extra information were they getting other than potentially like signals and stuff like that, which is fine if you think that that's what they were doing. But then 
as a community, nobody cares about steroids or like any of the other things that are linked to cheating. So to me, it just feels like it's just the Patriots, man. Everybody puts them under a microscope. Everything that they do is like somebody's got to find a reason to say that they aren't deserving of everything they've accomplished. And I'm not even a Patriots fan. I just think it's silly to not look at this team and say what they've done over the last 20 years is dumbfounding. I mean, they, they have created two separate dynasties under one quarterback and head coach regime. And what they've been able to do is extraordinarily impressive. And I think that these elements to it have probably always been there. But like I said a minute ago, like I would be shocked if other teams aren't doing this as well and not getting caught. Yeah. Like there, there's got to be more things like this going on in the league that anyone has any idea of. And the Patriots are just the poster child for it. Yeah, it's true. There's also these rumors that Tom Brady won't finish his career in New England. Does anyone think that's true? That's insanity. I mean, it's just like probability, right? Like that that's what all the quarterbacks do these days is they go on that last season tour of you know, some other team. That's not that's not the Patriots. That's there's Tom no Brady whatsoever. should go to the court, to the Raiders and right his wrongs. <laughs> that's what he should do. Yeah. I I honestly <laughs> don't think Tom Brady separate of Bill Belichick anymore would would be a good thing. Yeah. I, I think, think so. throughout his career he would have been totally fine, but like as he's getting older, they they need to work together. They need to be drawing up schemes every game to identify the weaknesses of their opponents and be able to exploit them. Like he doesn't he doesn't have the physical gifts anymore to just be able to, you know, outperform other people. Not that he really ever did, but I don't know, less so. In 2019, if you're going to steal signals, do you really do it with, like, a film crew? Like, you don't just use a smartphone or something? <laughs> That's why they say they were just, you know, doing their thing, man. It wasn't, they weren't stealing anything. Maybe they were compiling, like, a, you know, like a sentimental video about the season. And they just had a Bengals clip in there. Well, I mean, ultimately, like, that's what they said. The, like, the film crew on the side was, like, a documentarian film crew for something. I, I didn't read all the details, but essentially, like, that was that's what they're claiming. And honestly, like, it's just it's just all the spin with the Patriots. Like, it, I mean, if it could come out about any other team, everybody would be like, oh, that's weird. But it's the Patriots. I mean, they have a history of this. So, you know. You you can't act like it's not a reality. Like the Patriots are doing whatever they need to to win, and sometimes that that's bending or breaking the rules. But to say that there's probably no other teams doing it just seems foolhardy. All right, based off an article I read, this is not random, guys. I'm not making this up. But you guys tell me, a thousand year space mission to save humanity will never be possible. Foul or no foul? The reason I say this is there was an article. That said, scientists are planning a thousand-year trip to another planet. Which literally means generations would be born and die during this journey. Any chance, fellas, that this is possible? I mean, it's happened on so many sci-fi series, so like, <laughs> it's gotta be. I it was mean, so funny. It's an article on futurism, and it said that it's technically possible. It says, the challenges... Facing such a mission are so myriad. However, the scientist comments sound a bit flip. There's no principal obstacle from a physics perspective 
There are a lot of challenges, but no fundamental principle of physics is violated. I don't know, fellas. I hope you guys are ready for your thousand year trip. Imagine that really happening, like being born on a ship and dying on the ship. Like, that's it. That's all your life is. That would suck. But to save humanity, it must be done. Josh, you're awfully quiet. You're a, you're a teacher, man. Tell me this is possible. I don't know. I, it's it's like outside of what I can even begin to comprehend. It's pretty wild. <laughs> but just imagine there's people out there who are comprehending it, that are thinking about it, that are trying yeah. to make it happen. It's interesting, right? I mean, you couldn't even do it in the same ship, could you? I don't know, man. I'm not one of those guys that get paid to do it, to figure it out. I mean, a thousand years. A thousand years. To get to another planet that would save us because, you know, Earth is finite. I don't know, man. We'll see. You guys buckle up. Get ready for your thousand-year space mission. Um, another one here. Uh, shout out to uh, at Austin underscore G underscore H for this one. Should fantasy leagues play into week 17? Foul or no foul? Or I guess it should be they should play into week 17. Foul or no foul? Foul. It's atrocious. It you is, should not right? be playing into week 17. There's way too many players that just get benched because their, their team's not playing for anything anymore. Honestly... I mean, this is a hot take, but like, there's no, there's no good time for the fantasy playoffs. I mean, we're seeing it now. Like, there's, there's just riddled with the injuries. There's teams shutting players down. Like, it's just, this isn't the ideal time for the fantasy playoffs either. I mean, there is no ideal time. By weeks go into week twelve, and after week twelve, there's teams that are starting to be out of playoff contention and making moves that are because of that. So, there's no ideal time in my opinion. I think it's just whatever your league is, you have to adapt to it. But week 17 is always atrocious. It's so I think that it's <laughs> easiest just to get rid of that one week and just live with the chaos that is the rest of it. Yeah, and that may be something you need to adjust even if more if your team is flexible to it because I feel like teams should more and more bench players earlier, but they don't yet, I guess. So I don't know. We'll see. I just feel like certain teams that are like locked in pretty much like, man, how they keep playing their starters, I have no clue. But it's not for me to decide. Um, guys, there's not one good reason why we shouldn't all be having our kids play baseball 24-7. Foul or no foul. The reason I say this is these guys are signing $245 million guaranteed contracts right now, man. Can you guys give me any reason to not have my kids out on that baseball field 24-7? The likelihood that any one individual is going to get a contract. Oh, like we're gonna that give it a fucking is shot. Like a point zero 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 one percent. But sure, I mean, go for it, man. It'd be it'd be great. But yeah, I mean, they're 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 crazy contracts. That's, That's nuts, sure. right? Guaranteed. That's what happens when you don't have a salary cap. You know, they just they just throw money at problems. It's and that great. shit is guaranteed. I mean, the NFL should at least be guaranteed, right? Yeah, definitely. It Come on. Be. If any sport should be, it should be the NFL. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I just had to get that out there because I've seen these guys signing contracts right now. I'm like, man, these numbers aren't even realistic anymore, man. This is nuts. Doesn't even seem fathomable. All right, that's all I have for Foul or No Foul. Let's move on to show and tell and then get this show on the road. Do you guys have any show and tells this week? Well, let's not all speak up at once, okay. Josh. I'll go ahead and Wait, speak. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. I don't really have an item or a product or anything like that this week. I just thought it was really cool. I seen that Adam Silver of the NBA 
was talking about them getting closer possibly to support and marijuana use in the NBA. I just feel like all leagues should follow suit on this idea. I think it's dope, no pun intended, that the NBA is, you know, always typically the most forward thinking and ahead of the other sport leagues in terms of like these culture and, uh, you know, relevant type of decisions that other other leagues don't feel even t- to, you know, discuss the topic. Um, but I think it would be a huge step for the NBA and its players. Um, just a, a quote really quick from like his article about an article about it. He said, I don't want to speak for the M, uh, for the MBPA executive director, Michael Roberts, but she, oh, Michelle Roberts, sorry, but she and I have a somewhat similar view on this, which is we should follow the science. This is not an ethical issue for me. It's not a moral issue for me. I obviously would see what's happening in states around America. He said, uh, he wishes there was more science around it as far as the medical part. He feels like there's not enough science around it really right now. But he said that uh, he understands that for some players, marijuana is a way of dealing with you know issues. It's a question if we ban marijuana, you know, then what will they use otherwise? And you know, if we let them use it, there's other stuff that are much worse that they're using now that they'll get off of. So I just think it's cool that the NBA uh, executives are willing to you know discuss these things openly with the public and say that they're willing to possibly change these ideas. I just feel like every league should follow suit. I don't know why the NFL especially is so like stuffy to these kind of things. You know what I'm saying? So my show and tell the week is shout out to the NBA and Adam Silver for always being forward thinking and proactive on these things rather than reactive. That is great. Like, I really like that line about how, what about the evidence? Like, what about what, what have other leagues done? what can we say will happen if we ban this or if we don't like that's, that's just how government in general should work. Yeah. He said that like players have said to him, like, I don't do marijuana because you tell me not to. And it's against the rules. I get drug tested, but I am on these other medications now and they make me feel uncomfortable and weird. So like it's, you know, so I, I, it kind of makes him understand that like, you know, maybe this is better, even if it's not good, it's better than those things. I mean, that's, that's even a, you know, an executive's way of trying to say, like, you know, it might not be great, but it's still better than those things. So, like, that's something they should say, right, and do and act on. So, well, no, we'll see. But NBA would be the first, I'm sure, of any league to, you know, to take that on. So, shout out to them. I mean, yeah. they're all already using already. I mean, it's true. Like the vast majority of players of all the sports. I mean, it's just to to act like these players aren't using marijuana. I mean, they're probably similar to the rest of the population. There's probably a pretty large percentage that are and just aren't able to disclose. So, yeah, I think that that's great. I think it's better to just kind of come out of the closet with it and allow these players to, especially ones that, you know, are using opioids or some other form of medication to to try and get through. For sure. Do you guys have anything? Yeah, my uh, city I live in, Oklahoma City, we just passed a big bill today and it's like a like a city i don't know like i feel like other cities do the same thing where they pass some big bond and then they invested in like parks and all of these things that that happens right (laughs) (laughs) so oklahoma city passed one and it's good because i just feel like oklahoma is doing some things that are like actually moving in the right direction like this one is supposed to be for more like paths and you know, being able to do things outdoors, parks, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm excited about it. You're, you're amped up about Oklahoma, man. It's just nice to see them doing some things that would not have happened in the 1800s. You like know? medical marijuana? Yes, like medical marijuana. Passing these laws for parks? 
bonds, whatever. Yeah. Oklahoma's on the, on the way up. Maybe we're looking at Colorado and saying, man, I wish we could be like that. But was Oklahoma and, the one who did the meth we're on it thing too? We, I don't know. We do have a meth problem, but I don't know where, if that ad campaign was around. It's here. not a good strike for you, man, but we'll take it. So shout out to Oklahoma. We're shouting out people today. Let's see if Adam has somebody to shout out. I mean, really, like, the, the only thing that I wanted to talk about before we left, which I, I guess is a show and tell, is uh, if you weren't going to bring it up at all in foul or no foul, I, I want to talk about UFC 245 just for a second here. Okay. Because I don't know about you, but I'm really excited. I mean, it's a phenomenal card. I mean, there's three title defenses on it, but specifically the, the main event, Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington, like, despite Colby Covington being a caricature of a human being at this point to the point where he is so laughable and for all the wrong reasons, he is possibly outside of Tony Ferguson, maybe the most exciting fighter to watch in the UFC. And I'm super excited to watch him against Kamau Usman. Have you watched Colby's recent, like last couple fights? Because I hate the guy from a shtick perspective, but in the ring, He's like one of the most exciting fighters, and I'm super excited for this fight. Yeah, no, I have seen him. He pretty much dominates in his last fights. But one thing about the shtick is like I know like people hate it, and it's like this pro-Trump thing, like make America great again thing. But like you gotta respect him for like realizing like oh shit, I'm about to get like kicked out of the you know the UFC. Like I'm not selling tickets. Nobody gives a fuck about me. And like here I go. It's either this or nothing. You know what I mean? And like. That's a hard stick to roll with. I mean, unless you really mean it, you know what I mean? Unless like in your heart of hearts, that's what you're really about. But from everything I've heard about him, that's not like who he is at all. Um, so like, it's almost like, damn, like you're willing to go that far and like let everybody judge you and slam you. And like some people are going to believe that's always you. You know what I mean? And like, who knows what kind of threat you'll get for, you know, representing some shit like that. So I kind of respect it as far as like from a career move. You know what I mean? Because like it's changed his life, even though it's, you know, a shitty way of doing it. Um, but that whole card is stacked, man. There's not like one bad fighter on that card, even like they're all exciting on the main card, at least, you know, they're all yeah, it's exciting. A great, great fight card to end the year. Yeah. Sure. It's, it's fire, I mean, man. Uh, I so low key Amanda Nunes against Duran demand, Duran demand, Duran, I'm going to get this right. <laughs> Duran, I gave up Duran May. God. Yeah, I mean, you guys can't pronounce NFL player names. I'm trying to pronounce (laughs) fucking UFC fighters from other countries over here. But, uh, I mean, if Amanda Nunez can win this weekend, she, if she hasn't already cemented herself as obviously the best women's MMA fighter of all time, this is like, this is the only fight that's left for her. Like, after this, it's retire off into the sunset. It's the greatest of all time, and nobody's going to come close for God knows how long. I mean, it, what she's been able to do is just insane. So that that I'm also excited for. I mean, Max Holloway is defending the title, and that that's crazy. Max is always an amazing fight to watch. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a great fight card, like you said. I mean, every fight that's on there, it's just stacked. Even vets like Aldo, Faber versus guys like, you know, Marais, Jan, a lot of good stuff. Did you see um, Brian Ortega partially towards ACL, man? I did not. Yeah. That's unfortunate. He just announced it. He's not, he's got to take like two to three months off to like repair it. Like he didn't totally tear it. They said that if he fought in February, like he was planning to, they, there's a chance he would like completely bust it. So, you know, instead of being out for a year, be out for two or three months, recover it and bounce back. But he's been hitting, you know, he's been getting some hard hits, man. It's like, 
he had like a bright career and it's like slowed down dramatically because of all these injuries and shit. But hopefully he gets he bounces back. We'll see. Um, so that's it. That's it. That's all we got for show and tell. We knocked that baby out the park. Adam, would you delight us with your last tweet, my friend? I would love nothing more in the world than to pull up my Twitter account right now. Oh, by the way, Adam exposed himself on Twitter earlier today, too, because I was like tweeting out trades that I did. Mm. And I was if like, it wasn't. If it wasn't my last tweet, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, all right. My last tweet was a, uh, um, a, a retweet and comment. Uh, I retweeted the tweet, Adam, v- uh, Adam Vinatieri's career began in September of 1996. What were you doing then? And I said, learning cursive. God, was that pointless. <laughs> Adam was starting third grade at that point. There's a lot of old people that would get very upset about you saying cursive is not. Oh my God. They get so upset about the kids not learning cursive. Can we talk about how upset old people get about their scribbly writing that they think is going to be important to kids that are never going to write by hand after they have a choice? It's so funny. (laughs) My mother literally said this to me today. She literally said it. My son was doing his homework. She said, they don't teach them cursive in school no more. I was like, I don't know. But, like, is that, like, a thing now? Like, they don't teach them cursive? Yeah, it's been a thing for, like, nearly it's a decade still, at this point. It's like, still it's been... skills, but it's not prioritized at all. Gotcha. I mean, I think it's school district to school district, because around here, they don't even teach it. I, they haven't for years. Yeah. At least for at least five years, because that's when my nephew would have been, like, at that age where they would have started teaching him, and he he definitely didn't learn. I mean, really, outside of signing a check, I don't really know what other purpose it serves anymore <laughs> there's 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 just no reason i mean obviously yes it's a quicker way to write by hand but to, people don't people don't do that anymore like no. they don't they don't need to like they, it's just you know it it's direct application for the environment that you live in you know it's more important to learn how to utilize a computer and and navigate that than it is to learn two different types of a way to write letters Josh, do you hang on to it? Do do teachers hang on to it too, or is it just the older people? It's just the older people. Okay. There there are teachers that are just very serious about teaching, and they love teaching their cursive. Yeah, old teachers. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) All right. So, like, um, Josh, you got an article out, man? Yeah. Yeah, I dropped one. I cannot believe that I missed DeAndre freaking Washington on the waiver article. Damn. So better edit that. (laughs) Can you make adjustments after the fact? We need adjustments. Let it ride. He should still let it ride because Jalen Richard could just steal the day anyways. He he should have been your cover boy, man. He probably should have, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) You missed a great opportunity. I think I put John Ross on the front. Listen, I don't know how this got through your editors and everybody, man, but Guys are slipping over there. I know it's the end of the season. Everyone's tired. It's week fifteen. DeAndre Washington. Okay. God, man, I could have I could have made him your player instead of Adams if you would have put out an article with him as the headline. Could have thought of a crafty, you know, clickbait title, everything with DeAndre Washington's name in it, and it would have been your guy, man. It's, it's hard right. putting together an article Monday night and getting everything. All right, I hear you, so. man. I hear you. Go go check that shit out at JC Crocker. Also, by the way, Josh Jacobs tweeted yesterday and said, look, 
I don't care about your fantasy team, fantasy points, none of that shit emoji. So clearly he does. Michael <laughs> Fabiano. Ma- Michael Fabiano at NFL Network responded, people who get on players on Twitter for being injured as if it pertains to their fantasy football team are clowns. You've had a great season, Josh. Hope you're better soon. Hope you're soon better soon, bro. And Josh Jacobs said, I swear, though. Mm. And then someone said, don't say that. You do care. And he said, I don't. Josh Jacobs is up on the Twitter machine, man. Out here tweeting at fools. I might have to throw Josh to him, man. I might have to say, listen, you want to hear a guy shitting on you every day? I got a fellow Josher doing it. Every day. Every day. Every day. Get Jalen Richard pissed off again. We don't want to do that. All right. That's it for us, man. You can find me at Clock Dodgers. You can find Adam at the other FF guy. You can find Josh at JC Crocker. We love chatting with you guys on Twitter and all those good things. Group me, Twitter, any place you can find us. Go to Josh's school. Show up at Adam's job. Show up anywhere. Don't talk to you about don't talk to you about football anywhere you are. <laughs> you, need, you need valid identification. <laughs> all right. Don't don't show up at the school. Actually, that's really weird. So don't do that. Um, but what you can do is if you rock with us like that, leave a review. We appreciate the feedback. We appreciate the club, the criticism, the questions, everything. Guys, that's all we have for today. As always, be kind, be great, keep dodging. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.